ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 140 of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments, your twice-weekly cannonball dive uh, into the ocean of politics and dystopia. If it's your first time listening, congratulations on using your ears. But also, welcome, welcome, pull up a seat, crack open a beer. Um, I always say this to, to any new listeners, if you've found me on Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, uh, ranting and roasting the government, and uh, you know now you've migrated over to the pod, you are very welcome, but just don't let the social media stuff fool you. We are not influencers here. We are binfluencers. We don't get positive or inspirational or try you try to tell you to live your best life. We talk about politics and how fucked everything is. We scrape the muck off the bottom of the bin of society and show it to you. We're like, oh, look at this shit. It's gross. And then maybe you say, oh, wow, yeah, that, that is, uh, that's awful. And then maybe you say, so you're not an influencer then. So we, like, what are you, some sort of activist? And I say, no, 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 no. No, there's no activist. I, I, I don't act. There is just no hope. So sit down and drink with me. That is very much the vibe of this show, if it is indeed your first time tuning in. So if that sounds like your bag, a dollop of doom lols, a bit of a gallivant through the fields of gallows humour, then grab yourself an IPA or indeed a G&T or whatever and join me for this Friday night edition of Aid Thompson and others th- oh, other disappointments. Um, clearly, uh, maybe I need a craft ale to get me settled here. <laughs> Let's do this, fellow Binfluencers. Tonight, I am excited, people. Um, tonight's guest is very much a returning favourite. Uh, like all of my friends these days, we first met on the internet, sharing similar political sensibilities, mocking and scrutinising the Conservative government. She appeared first on this podcast a year ago, and at that point was a uh, familiar face and voice of reason on the Jeremy Vine show. Uh, but since then has become a rotating regular on Sky newspapers and BBC newspapers, um, and has exploded into the podcast arena herself as 50% of the wildly popular political magazine, The Troll, which is an upbeat and often hilarious look at the best of politics Twitter, along with co-host Marina Perkins. So guys, gals, influencers, people of the booge, please give it up for my guest tonight, Gemma Forte. Woo! <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Um, I say that I'm sort of spluttering, cold. It's like the whole January thing. I don't want any violins. I overdid it, Aid. I overdid it. Um, oh and I'm suffering now. Yeah. So this is going to be the least rock and roll Friday night show you've ever done. Because I know you've had like Super Tansky on the booze and everything. And I'm sitting here going, oh, I'm just on lentils and I'm snotty. But I'm still fun. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that. I mean, is this is this a, <laughs> is this sort of that you overdid it over the Christmas period? Or is this withdrawal? now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh no it's not that bad but yeah no i did something a bit weird that i don't usually do which is that i didn't go out on new year's eve and i went clubbing on new year's day oh wow which that's was different. a day rave i went to a day rave um so me and my age inappropriate friends went and got amongst it we went to glitter box and it was great and started the new year stomping um it was fun and actually we were laughing amongst ourselves we were like who has said the most middle-aged thing at the rave and I got silver medal I got silver medal and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna admit it I was queuing up for a round of vodkas and I actually turned to my friend and said oh I might check my steps 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say Bad. something like, oh, it's very loud in here. Like, that's what I would say. No, no, not that bad. We, we were up for the loud. We were up for the loud. We were up for the, like, the music and all that. But then my friend, they let off one of those big, like, tissue bombs. It's a moment. The lasers are going. Like, it's already cool. And she went, oh, I wouldn't want to clean that up. So she got gold. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. What? what we think but these things happen happens to yeah. the best of us that's the thing like whenever i go to somewhere that's not like not even a rave like if it's just a bar or a pub mm. and there's just music ble- like i'm basically deaf at this stage of my life <laughs> because i went out a bit too much when i was younger i've got tinnitus i'm hard of hearing in both ears so when i'm oh, wow. in a place and it yeah. seems loud to me i'm like god this is loud. i'm like how can it be this like too loud for me and i'm deaf and oh, other see- people are like <laughs> No, no, that said, my daughter just turned 18, which is bizarre. So she went clubbing for the first time on New Year's Eve and sort of had her epiphany. And we were chatting and where we are aligned, you see, she was like, oh, my God, mum, it's amazing. You don't have to make any small talk. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I this is this is why I've always loved going out and her having a dance. Or like, yeah. You don't have to do sort of. So how did you get here? You know, all that bollocks. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, I don't. There's, there's times what you will know this being a parent there's times where i really miss it where i'm like oh god what i would give to just have one wrecky weekend where i can just turn my phone off go off grid and just mm. get wild but then there's another part of me that's like oh like i think of the hangover the next day and the feeling yeah. self-conscious did i say something stupid or oh, did people laugh at my dancing was i did i fall asleep on the train like you know yeah, 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 yeah. I spent a lot of my life cringing about what I might have said, but um, but I've sort of because I'm I've been divorced for a long time and we co-parent very amicably, so I've had every other weekend off for years, you know. Yeah. And like, whilst I'm not saying divorce is good, and obviously, like, you know, it's not ideal, but you know, there's a part of it that's all right. You get this sort of balance, and then it means when you're with your kids, you're really, really like happy to be with them, and then you sort of get to reboot and refresh a little bit, and yeah. you know, like perhaps if there's tricky thing. But I'm like, uh, but that said, I'm lucky because my ex is fab, and you know, we get on well, and we talk all the time, and it's it's really a, a, a you know flexible co-parenting thing. Yeah, uh, you know, so lucky me on that front. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's not it's not all bad, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, get to I've... your own thing. Did you ever watch um, Louis C.K.'s stand-up? Obviously, before he was uh, <coughs> exposed as something of a prolific masturbator. But uh, did you ever like watch his stuff where he was talking about divorce? Where he's like, you know, people no. are always saying that it's really sad when people get divorced. And he's like, you know, if two people got together and they loved each other and they were really in that, and then they got divorced, that would be really, really sad if they were forced to get divorced. But then he's like, but that's happened zero times. Like divorce is always good news like it usually means that it's kind of run its course and yeah sort of situation that you're alluding to it's like you know there's some pressure there in a marriage that for one reason or another has kind of gone awry and then when you do part ways it does give you a bit more freedom and space yeah yeah no no he's a he's a good geezer my ex it's all good we 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 divorced well good good (laughs) great divorce yeah Let's let's get on to some some news yes, and current politics. affairs stuff. Um, so it's a big news day today. Mm. Um, the cost of living crisis over the last couple of months has propelled, I think, about half the country into fuel poverty in some capacity. Mm. Mortgages are fucked. The government is corrupt. Uh, people are getting their diagnoses in a toilet cubicle and A&Es have stopped taking patients in some areas. But the royals are front page on everything so 
I guess my first question for you, Gemma Forte, is what the fuck? Mm. I woke up this morning and I had to look at, um, and on the Sky uh, app, they do all the front pages. And I actually did a tweet about this. I collated all the front pages. And I was like, so 500 people are dying needlessly a week. A week mm-hmm. And um, the government are about to impose law to say that we can't strike. And every paper, every paper, mm. apart from the Financial Times and The Guardian, went with, oh, Harry, you know, and always oh, had a row. They've had a row and they've had a fight. And, and to me, that's... And of course, it's what everybody is going to go there for, because the, the, the people, one person wrote underneath, well, it doesn't matter who buys papers anymore. And I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, they mate. still are the media yeah. because all the shows that I go on are governed really by what the papers are saying. And then we discuss it or it's, um, you know, it ends up being what everybody is talking about on Twitter or whatever. So that's ends up being the diet. It ends up being the the food on the plate to talk about. And 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 it is purposeful because let's face it do the sun the mail the telegraph all these papers that are complicit in bolstering up this terrible as you say corrupt quite rightly government exposing what is happening and you know i think people are aware of what's happening and there are plenty of people of course who are incredibly informed and furious and fed up but there's enough people who for whatever reason don't have the headspace and obviously many people who are just struggling to get through the day and there's also people who, unlike myself, are really happy for that to be the main talking point because, okay, I, I, I mean, there was a, I'm not going to say who, but somebody I go on telly with, like, replied to my thing and I just ignored it because she said, well, I don't care about um, the NHS. It's always, and I just thought, oh, God, I can't relate. And she said, you know, the royals are escapists. It's like, what? Yeah. We have a nation of morons. It's you like, know. it is like a sort of soap opera that a lot of the country can engage with. And I understand that. Like, if you lived quite a boring life, uh, maybe the salacious details of a family and two brothers falling out. and all, Like, maybe it would be, um, mm. it, it would tick a box for you in some capacity. What I don't understand is what the draw is for political editors or editors of publications to just sprawl this shit out when there's so much other stuff that's going like the government corruption shit like whenever i say the government are corrupt people usually step into the conversation and say you're being hyperbolic or you're being hysterical it is not no the vip ppe lane like they're absolutely sorted their mates out it is a matter of fact i mean boris johnson put alexander lebedev in the House of Lords. He's the Baron of Siberia? Yeah. Because why? Well, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but that is corrupt. You're not being, what is it, hyperbolic? Hyperbolics? Hyperbolic. <laughs> could be either. Really, You're not being over the top. Yeah. Okay, I've just had a thought. Um, so years ago, in fact, when I lived with my husband years ago, I remember before kids, so Lily's 18, long time ago, we used to get on a Sunday, and this was back in the day when we'd invariably have been out on a Saturday night, wake up on a Sunday, those lovely sort of pre-kid days where you've got a bit of a hangover and the day is yours. Yeah. Remember that? And you wake up, have a cup of coffee, and then it would be, he'd have always gone to the shop and got our papers of choice, which would be like maybe The Observer, but that definitely The Times every week. And then we would pick up a copy, and I don't mind admitting, of the news of the world. Yeah. 
And then what you do is that's the one when you've got a hangover. You didn't have hangovers every weekend, by the way. But on the weekends when you might, that's the one you're like, fight over it. No, I want to see. No, I want to yeah. see. And we were part of that population that, 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 you know, we'd put our money into that kind of, because the gossip was like yeah. insane. And of course, I totally understand how immoral the, the, the depths of that they sunk to to get those stories. I am anti that, la, 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 la. You know, I wouldn't buy it now, all of those things. But we did then. And it would be something like, you know, so-and-so's put a hamster up their ass, or, you know, so-and-so slept with so-and-so and said X, Y, and Z. And then it would almost be like, okay, toss that to the side. That's the old rubbish. And then you read the paper. Yeah. yeah. That was sort of like how it went. And what's what we're looking at now is that sort of today anyway, at least, the papers don't always do this. So the papers do some great work still. Sure. Not all of them. But the fact that you've got only two today who went with the strike staff mm. um, and that that really scary, tyrannical law that might come in, then you're, 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 you've almost now you're at that point where just give them the give them the light old tatty gossip, which is I think I, I did amuse me to see that Harry once went to something and had frostbite on his penis. Fine. That's yeah. funny. Um, or did sure. they have a fight? I actually haven't really even engaged with it yet, but I think they had a fight or something. Like that's vaguely gossipy, you know. But I'm not one of these people who's massively tribal about it. But but to have 18 pages and for it to be discussed for hours and hours and hours in depth, I barely. I'm not going to switch the telly on today. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's that's the thing. Like, I get that there's a place for it. I get that it can be titillating to some people, in the same way as I understand that. For a lot of people, waving a Union Jack around is a big thing and they love the royals and they're all about British identity and sovereignty and all the other buzzwords that we, we throw around. Um, and that doesn't doesn't float my boat. Like I'm I don't tie myself intrinsically to national identity in the same way that a lot of people do. But I respect it. I, I understand there's a place for it. What I don't understand is why it is uh, amplified to the level that it is on a day like today when there's so many other important yeah. and and equally um i would say titillating or engaging stories like we, we were talking about corruption a second ago but we should be talking about the nhs collapsing we yeah. could be talking about like you said the vip fast lanes we could be like there's so many pillars of scandal mm. out mm. there to explore it just sort of i don't know it's sort of like, maybe it brings me on to another question for you like to what extent do you think this is deliberate distraction like, are there newspaper proprietors <laughs> and editors who were like, we look, we'd love to report on how this old lady died on a trolley after waiting 13 hours. We'd love to talk about that. But we've kind of been told not to because it could lead to civil unrest or. I actually I look, I'm, I'm, I'm cynical about it to some degree, but I also do still think that they're they're led by what gets the clicks and what people want to hear about. And I also do appreciate that as somebody who's very immersed in the world of news and politics, it's a pretty grim place to be. There hasn't been a lot of good news for a long time. Like we're not getting any announcements where you go, oh, that sounds brilliant. Oh, that sounds really great. Oh, mm. they come up with a plan and it sounds really imaginative. Oh, great strategy. You know, there hasn't been a lot of that. We're, we're almost sinking in gloom and have been for a long time. And I know that, you know, when the whole country were engaged in the Brexit debate and it was endless i mean i kind of couldn't get i was one of those obsessed people couldn't get enough of it because it was so meaningful to me but there were swathes of people who were like i can't deal with this anymore i cannot and i do think it's important to understand that that apathy is really um <clears throat> doesn't mean that people are 
thick or, you know, anything. It just means perhaps they understandably think nothing I can do about it. And then, and then it's the me and Marina talk about this a lot. It's her absolute trigger. Do not say it near Marina. But, um, <laughs> because when people say they're all as bad as each other. Oh, mate. And it, and yeah. it is. It's awful. It's awful because it's like, no, no, no. Like, if, if please, 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 please. Because, you know, I'm not saying the other lot are perfect, but like this lot are particularly heinous. And so that's really, really dangerous. So how do you tap into the people... I don't know. What you've got to do is make talking about strikes sexy. You've got to make talking about, um, you know, really difficult stuff, economics, interesting and relatable and accessible and put it into people's lives in a way that they will get. And I quite think it, it, it's useful when I go on telly sometimes to have some facts that people can get their head around. So like one that I I've wheeled out, probably people go, oh, she's not saying that again, but it's great. Is it, it's not great, it's awful. More food banks in the country than there are branches of McDonald's. Because I think most of us get that there's a McDonald's every town centre that you go to, right? Mm. So then you're like, really, are there? And then they get Googling and they go, oh, well, trussel-wise, there's slightly less than there are branches, but oh, you add in the other ones. Oh, yeah, there are. Yeah. Um, so I get that. I, I understand you need to take these concerns and then market them to people in a way that makes sense to them and ideally is engaging and ideally could be entertaining right what i don't understand is like so that would that makes sense to me in uh, a scenario where we're talking about stuffy bank of england figures and you know Mm. a a normal political uh parliamentary term where everything's a bit boring and everything's just a lot of gray-haired men in suits in the houses of parliament blah 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 two percent growth like just just boring beige output but when we're in a situation where people's mortgages are going up by like yeah. 700 quid a month and that's yeah. on top of their gas bills doubling and that's like, I almost feel like the requirement to then repackage that in a way that engages them should be kind of out the window because it should be self-evident. They should be getting these bills through yeah. the post and going, what the fuck? <laughs> like yeah so and i think when it comes to the nhs it it, people will people generally in this country it still polls as something that people are proud of and they hold very dear to them and don't mess with it right and for very good bloody reason so that is going to because people can't get hospital appointments but unfortunately the bit that is really um purposeful and malicious is that then what the, the the rags um do is they go well it's not fit for purpose we're gonna have to do this and it's very simplistic and it's like no no it's not fit for purpose because of as a direct result of your inaction or your purposeful policy over the last 10 years and austerity and your and and that really at the heart of that again i believe is purposeful because it doesn't sit right with tory politics like to have this lovely thing that you can't profit off mm. you can't cream it off you got well I mean, they, they are but but they they haven't been able to it's a public it's not for profit um, and so that bit is the bit where I go, wow, it's not so much like reporting on Harry and Barry and Mitz Megan, I was about to say, <laughs> Harry and <laughs> Megan and Harry and William and all that shit. Because yeah. I think people actually, there's a mass market who want to hear about it. But the bit where they turn you against the unions, the bit where they turn you against the people who are on strike. And that's where you see like Richard Madeley doing his stuff with Mick Lynch. And you're like, well what's that all about because i'm not saying again like mick lynch i don't share all his politics i think he's amazing but like you know he actively wanted brexit for for reasons you know but what i mean he is 
you know, when they go, oh, he earns 80 grand a year, and you think, so bloody what? What, is he not allowed to? Because he's working class, he works for the railways. Like, mm. he does a really, really massive, formidable job. And he looks bored and fed up at this point, standing around in the freezing cold in his freaking anorak, having to talk to knobs while he does his very best yeah. for the workers on behalf of them. And the people that he's fighting for do not all earn that. And so when the right-wing rags start getting dirt on him, or they say which is w- what happened with Richard Maidley and, and Mick Lynch handled it brilliantly. Yeah, the you know the hospitality industry have, have, have lost 1.9 billion. And then what people do, because they're nice, they go, oh, that's awful. All those lovely restaurants who've suffered, all those pubs, all those clubs that have suffered during COVID. And now what, you're making them lose so much money. Oh, that's, and that's understandable to feel that. But then what Mick Lynch says is, yeah, you're right. It is absolutely dreadful. But we had a deal on the table and the government took it off. Yeah. And so the head of hospitality, he may name someone, is furious with them. Direct your anger to the right places. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, I, I'm always slightly taken aback when people attack someone like Mick Lynch for his salary. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe your memory's better than mine. Uh, I feel like we might have brought this up the last time you were on. But it's like, if you are from a working class background and then you get to X amount of income then you're mm. seen as a champagne socialist, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. if you're down here, if you're on like 20K or 16K and you're campaigning for yeah. the same causes, then it's the politics of envy. So you can't fucking win either way. You can't, you can't. But we're all class obsessed in this country. And, you know, it's it, it, in, in one way, it, it brings us fantastic humour because so much of our comedy is is written around that but in another way it's quite exhausting to to live in it and I mean like I, I don't care I am who I am and I'm old and ugly enough now to not give a shit people some people like me and some people really don't but I think some people also struggle me, to put me in a box and just go quite I'm not quite sure what she is because she's got quite a posh voice but she seems quite down to earth and I yeah. quite like that you know and um you're absolutely right so I get both sides of it you know which yeah, is fine yeah and um, yeah, it is um, not very aspirational to think that people have to stay in their lane. Yeah, and what that is... if you are whatever class you are, you know, I have I have a friend. In fact, I was I want one of my great 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 friends, and she grew up in a rural um, in a, a nice rural situation. I don't know. Her parents were sort of done well, and and you know she speaks quite RP. You know, but her job man alive most people can do her job like she's a medic and she's um uh, an occupational therapist who deals with people who've had chronic brain injury and this and that and the other and the right. what she sees what she deals with but she was saying people often put a label on her and they do they wouldn't they wouldn't believe the things that she's dealing with on a day-to-day basis and who she is with and 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 sorting out and it's just it's just a british thing it is isn't it it's sort of yeah. um uh like I, i've had to deal with not not that sort of I mean that's quite an exaggerated form of what I've had to deal with but it's like because of my background so I grew up on council estates I went to a state school comprehensive Mm. but because of things like unconscious bias I imagine has probably played a role in it like I warmed to people at my secondary school who spoke and look like I do and invariably they were the children of like directors and PR consultants. And whereas like okay. my mum was like a secretary, <laughs> my dad yeah. was like a local radio DJ and you know, they had split up and we were in this council house. Like they ended up buying off an estate, but anyway, long story short, I was this sort of, I guess like well-spoken ish 
kid but also mm. from a council estate so it's like you end up in this thing where you're like two you don't who two, am i two council for the rich kid friends that you've got <laughs> and yeah, then two yeah. posh for the kids that are on your estate yeah. it's kind of weird yeah I went through a phase when I was younger, when I was really young, like 14 or something, of like trying to speak less posh mm. so that I fitted in and just obviously sounded like a massive dickhead. Um, I was about to but, say, uh, you didn't stick with it then. <laughs> yes, I don't do that anymore on telly. Can you imagine? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, like that. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> just be who you are. I mean, the other interesting thing about this is I have a couple of friends who've done really, really well for themselves. Absolutely pick themselves up by the bootstraps and are phenomenally successful. One of my friends, she's uh, earns an eye-watering amount. She came from a really, really humble, like poor, like working class upbringing. And then the rub with that is her kids. Her kids are like, you know, raised in this massive house. Yeah. And they, they've never had to worry about money. Oh, man. And she's like this sort of like socialist at heart, like la, 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 la. And it's quite confusing for her because she can now afford private education and all this. So then that informs her like, well, what? Yeah. All that sort of guilt. Um, and then, of course, like, well, her kids are, what are they? they they're middle class, like 100%. So, yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So we have that dynamic, like myself and my girlfriend. So she is privately educated from sort of Dulwich area. Her mum's got a CBE. Like, they've got this nice big house. And I hope yeah. they don't mind me talking about this stuff. But, like, they've they've had quite an affluent upbringing. Um, yeah. And then here's me, who comes from council estates. Yeah. And now we're, like, we've got two kids and we were yeah. talking about maybe moving back to London at some point. She was like, well, if we move to London, we have to send them to private school. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where yeah. is that coming from? But in her mind and her upbringing and the bubble that she's been raised in, that's just a given. Like you wouldn't send them to a local London school. And I'm like, well, really? Like just out of the question? It's like. But then, you know, uh, this is the thing. And I, I, I hate snobbery. It's my absolute, I hate snobs. And mm. hate's a strong word. Yeah. I stand by it. But I also don't like inverted snobbery. It's lazy, you know, mm. because if someone's been brought up in an affluent upbringing, don't write them off either because they could be the best person ever. And it's just ridiculous. And it's also not their fault. You're like, we're yeah, all just yeah. born where we're born to whoever. Let's not be, you know, let's just take people on face value and, and, and you know, wish everybody the best. And that's why I want to live, bring it back to politics in a fairer society so that the people that don't have the opportunities, mm. you know, might do and might do what my friend's done and done very well for themselves. And so and that it goes back to education and to being having good teachers having good mentors being introduced to things that perhaps your parents can't because they're working too hard or they don't know about it themselves yeah. having your horizons broadened and that's what upsets me so much at the moment is we're just getting back to a i mean it's never been equitable of course it hasn't and i'm not i'm not a communist like but <laughs> but just to have less of this horrible gap that we've got at the moment mm. crushing I... people's hopes do you mind if I ask, so your friend that came from humble beginnings who now is making good money, did she go through like university and stuff when it was still all free? She's in her 50s. So she went to state school, state comp, um, but she did get herself to university. And I think she was very proud of that. Yeah. And I'd imagine she'd have been given a massive grant. Yeah. And then I think she came out with some debt. But I met her when we were runners and we were getting paid. Wait for it. £100 a week for six days. And I mean, that was shit then. This isn't because I'm old. It was like, oh, that was yeah, loads. Yeah. It was nothing. 
and we were you know living at home and we were having to get ourselves to Pinewood which was miles away yeah in her shitty old car and everything which was like this little old fit that broke down so you know she's done well she's done yeah. really well okay that's that's good to hear I was just curious because you know people protest for good reasons to to make tuition free again at university i i started uni when tuition fees had just come in i think a year or two years before um oh well, she's older than you so I, because yeah. i didn't go to university so i don't know so i'd imagine it was affordable put it that way yeah yeah and it's such a giant thing isn't it? it's like, like you can if you if, if we're focused on social mobility and like giving people a chance to just get their heads down and work hard yeah. and get on as david cameron was saying um <laughs> Uh, then you need to give people a route to achieving that sort of stuff. And slowly... I mean, we're, back, we're, we're going backwards because yeah, I'm yeah. back to saying to my kids now, I'd con maybe consider not going. Yeah. I mean, my daughter wants to go, but she's going to have a year out and she's going to work for the first half of that. And then she wants to go away and do this that, and the other. And I've encouraged her since she was 16 to have work experience, you know, like A, yeah. so I don't have to keep giving her money, but B, because it is great. Anyway, boring, I'm sure. But um. Yeah, the point of it is, it's like it's not, it's not like an automatic decision to go now unless you're going to need that degree. It's like, well, it's such it's so a huge amount of money. Yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, I've had similar conversations, not with my son directly because he's a bit young for that, but with Lucy, I've been like, uh, it's it doesn't have to be a foregone conclusion that he goes no. to university. I would actually rather train him to do programming, and then by the time his friends go to university and start enveloping in debt he'll be contracting i was like he can he can yeah. live in a student house and have the whole lifestyle but his friends yeah, yeah, will be going yeah. in debt whereas he'll be like accumulating wealth yeah yeah um, i started work at 18 i didn't do uni yeah yeah i'm all right let's um let's bring this kicking and screaming back to uh modern politics though um yes. i wanted to to get your thoughts on you know we were talking earlier about the nhs collapsing and all of these other myriad problems that are, that are happening whilst we're being distracted by the royal stories um even if you remove the royal distraction stuff or the maths policy distraction stuff from the equation uh there is this feeling that we just continue to put up with mm. so much that mm. if you extricated those problems the inflation the energy bills the blah 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 if you put all of that in a different country the population of that country would fucking riot so what is it about britain do you think like why do we put up with so much where other countries wouldn't i mean it's extraordinary isn't it like i am looking thinking how much more of this can we handle yeah how much more damage like like piss off soon like you haven't got a mandate you weren't voted for you're ineffectual you're crap i don't think any like well there'd be a few people who'd vote for him but you're not saying anything like you know most people don't want you there it is so time for an election you know you've had your you've had your lot you've had years go away and yet we will we'll just oh, oh. yeah i guess he's um, the prime and minister i now. don't know because i i agree with you maybe it's british temperament uh, mm. may maybe it's because we're too lazy and we need someone else to organize it almost like a bit like with our social life when you're like we should all get together yeah and you're like yeah definitely that'd be really nice and then no one does anything i mean i'm quite good at galvanizing people and organizing people maybe i need to start it because like i'm up for it i don't want a violent riot but but the other thing is age maybe we're brexited out and we put all our energy into that and we now realize it's futile because i went on those marches i was at that massive march in london and and it 
didn't make it didn't make any difference I would go again if if you had said to me next week there's an uh, just get this government out we've had enough everybody who's had enough show up yeah but also the other thing is that's easy for me to say I'm quite near London they tend to be in London so I'm gonna go from the point of view if somebody here is watching listening to this and they're like in Preston they'd be like fuck you there's a train strike it takes a long time so if someone said to me and it's in Preston yeah am i would you be prepared um, to go there cool enough am i like nice and, and like active enough or am i would i be like oh do you know what guys absolute solidarity but i'm just going to tweet about it yeah maybe, maybe it's just laziness i was wondering if it's like part of our like we we we, we tend to be quite a reserved people in britain yeah like it's all about yeah. you know stiff upper lip maintaining politeness uh is, like is it is there an element of that where we're like well we don't want to show that we're too pissed off you know we might that might be considered well, is rude. it that we all have an outlet to have a whinge on social media so i like woke up this morning and i go rah, 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 and then i get up and brush my teeth you know yeah. and so perhaps back in the day where you didn't have that outlet um i don't know say it was just like when there was only facebook or something do you remember that yeah and um and somewhat you know you haven't had anywhere to put this anger yeah. Then perhaps someone would go, uh, yeah. right, we're all meeting. And and may, maybe that's part of the reason. So I feel like every day I'm doing my little bit of activism by writing these tweets that probably only my echo chamber, like, you know, and then I don't know. I was on Good Morning Britain the other, the other day. And um, I don't know why I've suddenly thought of this, but it just made me laugh. Like the the express whenever i go like the express only on the digital content they they just hate me which is fine because i hate them and i've said it before hate's a strong word and i mean it um so they <laughs> put me in and they were like this shouty woman this shout they, they, they know my name right and they referred to me as this shouty woman three times which is funny and they always choose the worst screen grab so i'm like Ugh. so yeah. it's like you know shouty woman and, um, and it just makes me laugh. I don't give a shit. I don't know anybody at the Reezy Express. But, and it's kind of a badge of honour, but they were like, everybody had to switch off. And it's like, what are you basing that on? Yeah. Like, what are you basing that on? And it's like, it's fun to rile the right people. Yeah. But it's it, like, it's fun to rile the right people. But I, but then it's nothing, isn't it? It's a drop in the ocean. It's, it's, it's we need a riot yeah i feel we like like firstly that would fascinate me i'd be like why have they like who is it within the offices of the express that has decided editorially to refer to me as this shouty woman because that's <laughs> that's clearly if they've referred to you at three times that's a decision that they've made right mm. um and then secondly i'd be like well just to come back to your earlier point about like now we have this outlet you know now we have facebook and twitter and maybe that serves to placate us to some extent um but then so do the french you know other countries have facebook and twitter yeah, as well that's true and they kick the fuck off like i just wonder how like what's that what's that saying where they say um every every civilized society is actually only three meals away from riot it's something i'm sure yeah I'm yeah yeah butchering the quote yeah so i yeah. do wonder if things do continue to get as bad like if we carry on down this trajectory of mm. decline and deprivation and bodies on trolleys and wards and 
like to, uh, at what point will people not have the money to feed themselves the food banks are already exploding i know when the I food know. banks start running out people are gonna get angry and they're gonna find some way train strike or not to get up to london it's just like it's almost like it's been such a drip 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 yeah that maybe it's because it's not like overnight that people can't compute why it's happened. And of course, it's 10 years of austerity, which I think yeah. is the biggest false economy in the world. We've all been there. You know, then you've got Brexit, then you've got everything else. Um, Do you know what it's like, so though? I, is it's like, uh -huh. it's like a really well-written political drama where, like, mm -hmm. you're talking about, like, drip, drip, drip. It's like they've, they've um, just peppered each season with a little bit of chaos mm. that at, mm. at the end of the fifth season or whatever we're at now, after Brexit, mm. cost of living, NHS, blah, blah, blah. Now, finally, <laughs> the end of like all of these plot points are all going to come together and it will explode into some god awful fucking Gaddafi shit. Like... <laughs> it, 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 it's a, a terrible point. It's really terribly sad to see your point about everybody's only three uh, missing three meals away. And made me think of um, an A and E doctor called Andrew, Doctor Andrew Mayerson, mm. who I've interviewed um, on an NHS special, and also he's great on Twitter and stuff. He's a real activist. He's he's at all the all the rallies. Yeah. And it, interestingly, he's American, and he's over here working. Bloody foreigners, eh? Bloody foreigners <laughs> coming over here and taking our jobs. Yeah. And he just says, you know, as someone who grew up with the American health system, I can't tell you what you're losing here as you see it destroyed. But he was describing how in A&E, in the last year, he's been hit, like physically assaulted three times because, like you're saying, that breaking point, if you were sitting with a relative that's in agonizing pain yeah. and you're their partner or you're their daughter or whatever, and they're not getting their attention when mm. you're knackered and you're stressed out your nut and then they're not being seen and then they're still sitting on a plastic chair that is spilling out into and then they're getting like like punched and, and that broke my heart because yeah. he's still getting up every morning and going to work where i mean a many aren't and and i do not blame them yeah they're just yeah. going i can't do this anymore it's too stressful i got the only way i can manage this stress is to not do this job yeah and that broke my heart when he said that i was so upset and and there I, were other things that were said in that thing and yeah where's the anger i know where mine is i get to rant about it but where is the collective anger you are correct we should be at westminster with placards just going get out physically dragging them out enough is enough you despicable Bellens. I'm going to go with Bellens. Oh, um, I thought you were going to drop drop the C bomb there for a minute. <laughs> I, there was so many ways I could have gone there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know. um, but I also did um, uh, guested on something yesterday, and there was this chap, and he was real like that, and he's there going, "Well, I think Liz Truss said some very sensible things, and the thing about the NHS is a political monster." And I mean, he was so far removed from my politics; he was really not my cup of tea. And then you go, "Oh wow, oh, okay, yeah, people like that exist." Yeah. But then how do you like, so this is another thing I was going to ask you was, so you're on a few panels, you have healthy debate with people. Uh, they often sit on the opposite side of the political sphere to you and me. Um, and I always get the sense that your arguments, your angles are, the, the foundations of them are quite solid. They're rooted in logic, facts, figures. You do your research. They're articulated in a way that's accessible to people. And then the camera pans over. You're welcome. 
Um, you've earned it. Uh, then, <laughs> then the camera pans over to the other person who is, yeah. you know, we won't name names, but it's it's going to be some guy over here in a suit. And he just get, and it is usually a he, gets mm -hmm. to just dismiss it and it's just scoffy and it's just arrogant it's like oh mm -hmm. don't oh what a load of rubbish oh we've heard all that poppycock before and it's there's no logic there there's no fact and it's so frustrating to watch yeah. that happen because it's like well hang on a second her methodology and argument is more mm -hmm. scientific than yours like where are you coming from? you don't get to just mm -hmm. dismiss it you know yeah. And I, 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 there's so much to unpack there. And, and what I will say is I was on with a woman the other day who said the words out loud on telly. I don't care about climate change. It's boring. And I just want to think about the cost of living. And I was like, had to explain that it's linked. Like yeah. if you're worried about the price of food and water and energy and house repairs and all of those things and hold on to your freaking hat. Oh, you're worried about immigration as well. Oh, well, when swathes of people are displaced from their lands. Oh, let's yeah. see what happens. Anyway. We won't go there. So I'm just trying to say it's not specifically a male thing, but it is very interesting that you spotted that it's often thing. And I, I, I'll be honest, I pointed this out to a few of my female colleagues. I was like, have you noticed that we all prep and they don't? Yeah. And the more I, there are, honestly, I go and I, I am very, firstly, because I'm like, well, who the hell am I to go on and say anything? What do I know? So I better have my shit written down. I better have done my homework. I better have looked this up because if I'm going to say something, I've got to back it up with a bit of factual information or a statistic or some evidence or where am I basing this? What am I basing this view on? Mm. It isn't enough for me, knobhead, just to go and go, this is the way it is based on just what I feel because that's not good enough when you're going on telly, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so... So I try. I'm not saying I get it all right, but I give it give it a go to try and base things in a bit yeah. of fact. And well, then also, you're right. It, there must you're be right. a, a fear factor to that, right? Because if you so if they go on TV opposite side of the panel and they they get to just scoff and dismiss mm. and disparage, mm. and it's just okay, cool. Then the Express or Mail or whoever then publish it yeah. and go like this person. Uh, shamed yeah. Gemma Forte, the shouty Gemma Forte, <laughs> into, um, and then everyone switched off thinking that this person was victorious, or you know. Um, whereas if you go on to the same debate, ill prepped, and you are dismissive and scoff back at them, you would be fucking mauled for it. Like they would I be would. like, she's ill prepared, she doesn't know what she's talking about. We we fact checked yeah. her, like. Yeah, but then you see, I just think, well, I'd like to keep working. So long term, keep doing what I'm doing. And I think in the end, if you go on and just talk horse shit, then you're going to get found out. Yeah. Um, and your opinion can change or you can learn or, you know, facts can, you know, sort of materialize that make you change your mind. But like, I know, I hope that if someone dragged a clip out from 2017, I probably really would still stand by what i said yeah um whereas so i okay perfect example and i am going to name and shame i've never forgotten it because it was february half term before the covid pandemic struck and my mum lives in italy and she was like god all these you know covid was in the italian hospitals it hit them first because they had all the hospitals where the chinese goods were made and a lot of chinese workers coming over to work in gucci pucci prada in this right. part of italy yeah. So they brought it into the country and then it went to the ski resorts and then it spread around there. And then those hospitals were totally overwhelmed. They didn't shut anything. They were like, ah, what the hell is this pandemic, pandemic? And then I remember going, oh, like it was on the news that like 
loads of um, ski holidays from all over the UK, from the north, blah, 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 5,000 or something were going to this resort where there was loads of COVID. So I said on Jeremy Vine, I was on with Dan Wooten. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear And that. I said, I said, wow, don't you think the that we should be testing everybody when they, when they, when they come back or like making sure they haven't got a temperature because otherwise it will spread around yeah. and come into Britain? Yeah. Dan Wooten was like, oh, that's so what someone like Gemma would say. You're just a scaremonger. This is nothing. Like, oh, a few people in Italy have got a cold. It's nothing. Yeah. Like, yeah, and he went on and on to the point about, I was like, well, isn't that just common sense? Like, in Italy, it looks really bad. It's like they're all going around in sort of spacesuits and people are sort of dying on. In, uh, oh. But it's but exactly, I just remember thinking then, like, th that's exactly no. what I'm talking and if you about. Played yeah. that clip, like, and then, boom, it was in Britain. Yeah. But then I feel like they, they then react in two different ways. They either dig themselves in deeper. And they're just like, no, no, it's all right. Like, even though the British hospitals by that point are overrun and there's, you know, all those phone calls. Yeah, like... and I'm not saying we could have stopped it coming into the country full stop, but I mean, no. we could have, like, tried our best to perhaps get a handle on it before it spread round yeah. like wildfire. Buy yourself another two or three weeks of prep yeah. time to construct yeah, to a nightingale. Yeah, to try PPE. Yeah. That you've fucking got rid of. But yeah, they either they either dig in deeper because they've like they've talked themselves up and they've backed themselves into a corner. So now the only route that they've got is to just continue to to bolster yeah. that same position, uh, or they shamelessly adopt the opposite position, but with no grace, no sort of like, okay, look, yeah. I accept, I got it wrong. Like I think Piers Morgan for for all of his faults, and I'm I'm sure you know. Let's not list them. <laughs> let's not bash Piers Morgan right now, but. Um, I feel like at least with Brexit, at least with what's the other thing he was wrong about recently? But he did platform Andrew Tate recently. Mm. Yeah, but that's he's... pretty bloody gross. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think <laughs> so. Give him five years because it's taken him five odd years for him to just start backing. Oh, Trump was the other thing. So he used to be busy oh, yeah. with Trump. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a advocate for seeing Brexit through, although he always claims that he didn't vote for it himself. Yeah. But it's taken him that long. To, for him yeah. to withdraw support for Trump and Brexit. So I feel like, you know, yeah. maybe five years time, he'll look back on Andrew Tate and uh, um, Ronaldo and he'll be like, actually, you know what? In hindsight, it takes takes Piers Morgan five years for regret to crystallise <laughs> in, in his brain. Yeah, and I think it's just because so many of them don't actually care. They're just there taking the money, to be honest with you. Whereas yeah. I care. Yeah. I just fundamentally care what I'm talking about. And I think there are a lot of characters in the media that it's all about their TV appearance. It's all about like, is this going to be a good clip? Is this going to get me more followers? Is this going to make me? And and that's not my like reason for being there really. I don't know. That's I mean, I'm an not... interesting thing to bring up because I've heard this, right? So I like you, I'm sure, you know, way, way more people than I do, but I know a few people dotted around TV and the sense that I'm left with, in fact, not just a sense, I've had this communicated to me quite clearly a few times, that there are people who take the right-wing angle mm. or, or the alternative culture war angle, mm. Let's whether it's bashing Meghan or being very, very vociferously pro-mandatory uh, poppy-wearing or something, like whatever the story yeah. of the day is, they will take yeah. that angle and run with it and construct some sort of narrative that they believe absolutely nothing. Like, they're not signed up to that belief. They just yeah. like good TV. 
Yeah, so it's, absolutely. It's... I mean, look, if you go on GMB, okay, you get a really good traction. It's a very, very hugely watched show. Mm. Um, and you get a lot of social media. Sort of, like, you get a lot of new followers and stuff like that, right? So it's a good thing right. to go on. Cool. And I've done it a few times over the years, and then they, they haven't used me for ages, and then I did something the other day. But that's not the point. The point is, within that interim, there have been two or three times when they've rung me, but they've said could you talk about this? And, and and I have had to say no, even though it's like, oh, I wish they'd asked me to do something that like I can talk about because I would like to go on. I like going on there. Mm. I want to go on there, but I don't want to go on there and talk about something that I don't think or believe because long term, I don't think that's going to do me anything. But what they can easily do because it's GMB is then phone another 50 people who will say yes. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, and so, I mean, there was one time even they said, oh, can you want to come and talk about Squid Games? And I was like, oh, I haven't seen it. And they were like, well, could you? And I was like, I haven't got time to see it. And they were like, well, and then I was like, no, like, I can't go on to tell you and talk about something I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. But I think some people would. Yeah. Well, I think some people would just quickly, like, pull out a Telegraph yeah. or Guardian review of it. And they'd be like, yeah, OK, I could probably paraphrase that. Yeah, 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 you yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a weird example, but um, yeah. And it's just, and you, you can tell who they are, the ones that are like that. And then you could, but I also meet a lot of people who are really passionate or really believe or, or very just invested in the world of politics and find it endlessly fascinating. And I like going on with those people. I prefer it mm. um, rather than just someone that's just spouting for the sake of it. I mean, weirdly enough, the ones that you go on with where it's just, they just talk bollocks, you do get better traction yeah and it's easier to sort of like win the argument if that's what you're about which i'm not but um weirdly those are the ones that you end up getting picked up but i'd rather always go on and have a nuanced debate because i'm boring do they um, ever like and again i'm not going to ask you to name names but have you taken part in debates where the producers or whoever have said we want this to be fiery we want this to be clickable no do you know what they really don't and, really? and i think that's good to dispel mm. that myth they don't tell you what to say and they don't tell you how to be that said if you weren't at all opinionated or argument you wouldn't get booked and i know that i'm gobby enough and feel what i feel strongly enough which is probably why i get rebooked although there's one place at the moment where the other day they were like well that wasn't they did say on the back of it they were like mm, there wasn't much conflict there and i was like well there wasn't much to get conflicted about in yeah. the, in the topics and if they don't book me again that's fine so I think a lot of them are looking for that. Yeah. Um, and they deliberately book guests that they know are going to clash. And I'm always on, like Jeremy Byron, which I love going on, but like you're always with someone you disagree. And that's just part of it. And of course, Jeremy keeps them on bias. So if I just sat there and was like wet weekend and didn't believe anything strongly, you wouldn't really have a show. But yeah. where it annoys me is when you come off at the end and someone goes, like who's just talked like a really full on argument. Yeah. And I assume they mean it. They turn around and they go, gave them what they wanted there and i think oh yeah. wow see this is what i've heard is like people will will meet up in green rooms of these shows and they'll be like ah, i don't believe that shit you know ah, i'm not yeah, really I've heard, I've heard there's quite a few people who have said that to me and i'm always staggered yeah we really talk about it quite a lot we're like to, to, you know personally but it's, like, like, it's like it's i can kind of understand the financial motive to take to adopt a position that is engaging and will spark a debate and strong feeling to generate good tv so you continue to get booked you've then got that income stream i mean it's a self-serving way yeah, to be but i understand it but the, the yeah. thing that's fascinating about it is psychologically it's like it takes one kind of person to do that <laughs> then it, it must take a completely different level or like refined subset of lunatic to do that and then go into the green room and almost brag about it <laughs> 
to go, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't yeah, believe yeah, any yeah, of that yeah. shit. I yeah. have no integrity. But like, I'm gonna, but that's something like an old fart again. If you're looking for longevity in your career, if you're looking to do this sort of thing for a long time, or if you, you know, mm. you want to be able to sleep at night, like it's not the route, right? And it doesn't take much to trip yourself up and come out with something that's gone over the line mm. and that is no longer controversial. It's just really objectionable and disgusting and rancid. And, you know, mm. then you're just going to get a reputation for being a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Uh, it's been Jim lovely. Forte. Yeah, it's been really good to catch up. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us this evening. Um, yeah. If you guys are listening or watching this and you're not checking out the Troll podcast with Gemma Forte and Marina Perkis, obviously go and uh, download that and subscribe to it now. It's great. Uh, You've they... been on it quite a few times. I've you're a featured. source of gold. I yeah. am. I? Oh, well, that's nice of you. Yeah I've, yeah, I've heard that I've been featured as they... So you do a... I, I want to name it correctly. Is it a dessert or a... Yeah, yeah we, we call it the pudding. So the pudding, basically the trawl is all like we go through social media and we look at the clips and we, we feature what people are saying about it and then we discuss it. And so we have a pudding at the end, which is always like a clip that we love that is usually invariably funny. Sometimes it's moving yeah. and uh, AIDS featured two or three times. And I think you got pudding of the year on our Christmas special. Yeah. It was a very funny one. You know, I don't want And to it made my kids laugh as well. We were in the car <laughs> and listening to it and they thought it was hilarious. Good, good. Well, I'm glad, glad, glad to hear that these things are going down well. And yes, uh, yes it's an honour to be pudding of the year. Um, Too bloody right. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes, guys, do go and check out the troll uh, with Gemma Forte and Marina Perkis. Um, thanks once again to the Patreon backers who continue to support this show. Um, I will be meeting hopefully a lot of you at the uh, live show that we're doing. Me, Super Tansky, Jolly on Rubenstein. Uh, I'm Ashley going. Hayden. I've yeah. got my ticket. Gemma's going to be there. Marina's going to be there. Me and Marina having the girls' night out. We'll be really pissed whooping in the audience. Good luck with that. Good. I mean, as long as I've got one sort of whoop of support there. <laughs> I haven't written. It'd be really loud. It's yeah. sold out, mate. It's sold out. I know. Like, and I'm doing a stand up or some some sort of like comedy thing in the first half, and I've not written any of it yet. So I'm. Well, you need to get on with it. Yeah. We're expecting good things. Yeah. Right. Uh, I got to go. Thank you so much once again, Gemma. I'll be back on Wednesday for the solo show. Until next time, goodbye. Take care of yourselves. Cheerio.